team, and good morning, New Hope. Hope you're doing well this morning. If you haven't met, my name is Ryan, the lead pastor here. And you know it's a good morning when palm trees are falling down during the worship set there, right? Happy New Year to you all. I, uh, I hope uh, that was a special time. How, how many of you, out of curiosity, how many of you uh, set New Year's resolutions for 2019? Show of hands. There's like three hands. Okay. Well, that was like the last service too. Like, we don't do this anymore? Is that what goes on? Or maybe it's... Iowa thing. I don't know. But um, either way, I hope, I hope that, that whether you formally set some goals for 2019, a resolution, whatever you want to call it, uh, I do hope that as you think about the coming year, that one of the desires of your heart is to grow in your faith in 2019. I mean, really, what a, what a tragedy to be 12 months from now and to be the exact same place then that you are today. And so to have that goal, I'm really excited that we, have, we are launching a new sermon series right now called, as you'll see there and in the bulletin as well, The Seven Things That God Uses to Grow Your Faith. You know, one of the things I think is mind-boggling, and I'm just going to say this, and you've heard it a hundred times, and, and I know we kind of gloss over it, but God, the maker of heaven and earth, wants a relationship with you. If you really think about that, that's an incredible thing, isn't it? I mean, to consider that the, the, the God who made it all, the God who made you, the God who is at work in the world knows you personally and wants to have that personal, growing, abiding relationship with you. And inside that setting of a restored relationship that he wants to have with each one of us, God's desire is to grow you in your faith, to, to help you become more like Jesus. To, to help you become more like him in, in character, in actions, in priorities, that you and I and our lives would look more like him. This is what God wants to do. This is what he wants to accomplish. And so to that end, we're launching this sermon series. And over the next seven weeks, we're going to look at seven different ways that God grows our faith, your faith and mine. Now, these are not the only ways he grows our faith, but I've observed over the years that there are these seven primary ways. And here's the key thing, is once we understand these ways that God grows us, then what we can do is we can take these seven different ways and we can begin to leverage them so that you and I, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, that you can grow or mature as a Jesus follower. That's the goal. And I know for the one or two of you that set a resolution, uh, good job for you, but, but for, really for all of us though, I joke about that, but for all of us, that what we're going to do is over the next seven weeks, every week we're going to take one of these different ways for seven weeks, that by the end of these seven weeks that you are going to have a chance starting today to begin to build a custom spiritual growth plan for yourself for this year. So that when you're done with these seven weeks, you're going to have a plan that works for you. And you're going to be able to utilize that plan for all 12 months, and you can keep going after 12 months, of course, so to help you grow closer to Christ. So I hope you're excited about that. I'm excited about that personally. I'm excited about it for you. I'm excited about it for our church as well. Now, that's, that's one of the goals that we have for this sermon series. There's a second goal that I have for this series, and that's to introduce to you uh, what we are calling and have called the Discipleship Path. We've got a picture of that, and it's on your bulletin as well. I know it's like really small font, so you have to kind of hold the bulletin, whatever works for you, close or far, so you can see uh, what, what it is there and read it. But this is our discipleship path. Our discipleship path is a custom-built strategy built by New Hope 
for New Hope to help us grow in the area of discipleship. This is something that a group of people from this church came together. We started back in July. We began to work on this every month, meeting, refining, changing, asking questions. And at the end, this is what we came up with. And this is our strategy for how we are going to make disciples at New Hope Church. Not just right now in January of 2019, and not even for 2019, but for every year moving forward, this gives us a blueprint to help us understand what we do and why we do what we do. I want to introduce the path to you just a little bit this morning, but before I do, let me just, full disclosure, here's my goal. Here's our vision as we as an elder team have met, as we've talked about this, if we've worked on this and had input on the path. As a team, we have set the goal that 80%, or in other words, four out of five adults at New Hope Church would participate in the discipleship path. It's not something to look at. It's something to live out. It's something to be a part of. It's something to engage in. And our goal is 80% of New Hope Church adults will be a part of this discipleship path. Because here's why. When this happens, we move, and we're not this kind of church today, but, but if there is any risk, we move from being a church where people just come and kind of consume good coffee, bad sermon, great worship, go home and go about your week. And that's kind of all church is on Sunday mornings. To then, but, but Not that, but rather that we are participating in the life of a church. And this is also the ways that we've identified that as you engage in the discipleship path, you're going to put yourself in a position to grow your faith. That's important. And I hope it's a goal. Again, what a tragedy to go through this whole year and not grow spiritually. This is something we want to do. This path, what it's going to do, it's going to help us live out our mission. Our mission as a church, New Hope Church's mission, it's six words long. You, you could absorb this, you can memorize this, you can learn it. If somebody ever asks you, hey, tell me about your church. What, what are they about? What are they like? What's important to New Hope Church? This is how we articulate it. Our mission, why we exist, is to help people find and follow Jesus. That's our mission. That's it. Our goal, our dream, what we're trusting God for, why we do what we do on Sunday mornings throughout the week, everything we do centers on this mission right here. See, our heart's desire, if you cut open New Hope Church, this is what you see. You see, number one, that we want people to find who Jesus is, to find Jesus. We want people to hear the good news of the gospel. We want people to hear about a God who loves them. We want people to hear about and experience personally for themselves grace so that they can have their own restored relationship with Jesus and begin the journey of walking with him. We want people to know the Savior. We want to help people find Jesus, both here in Adel. Waukee, Clive, out into the reaches of Des Moines, whoever God gives us opportunity with, regionally throughout Iowa and through our missionary partners even around the world, that people would find Jesus and have a relationship with him. And second, we want to help people follow Jesus. We want to help people who know Jesus personally, who say, yes, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a Jesus follower, I know him, I have a relationship with him. We want to help you, we want to help anybody that God would give us opportunity to know what does it look like to follow him to experience his love, to experience grace, to know what it looks like to be Jesus-like in actions, priorities, and, 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 and thought and all of that. That that would, be, that would take place. This is what's important to us. And the discipleship path is what helps us achieve that goal to focus on that. 
Now, we're going to be talking about this path weekly and throughout the year in 2019 because this is a really big deal for us. But I want to show you just briefly, if you can go back to the, the diagram, if you would, how the, I want to show just how the diagram works. It looks a little bit like a baseball diamond. It's not intended to be, and it's not really what it is. But if you'll notice from home plate to first place, base, we'll call it that, you see the word explore. You say, well, what does that mean? What that means is that at New Hope Church, if you're in a place in your spiritual journey where you either don't know who Jesus is, you're not really church, you're not sure what the Bible's all about, you're just kind of open and checking things out for the first time, Explore is for you. Explore is where you go, and we're starting this in February, where you go to explore who Jesus is. We have, a, we have an environment for you, if that's where you're at in your spiritual journey, to grow. That's what explore is. If you look from first base then to second base, we have the word establish. It's important to New Hope Church, to us at New Hope Church, that for those of you who say, I'm a Jesus follower, he's my savior, that you get established on how you live the Christian life. That you know for yourself how to walk with him. And so we've identified here at New Hope three different environments to help you grow in that area, to help you get established in your faith. The first one is small groups. Small groups are a key way, we'll be talking about this later on, but small groups are a key way to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. But that's not the only way. Next is a serving team. That's number two. A serving team. See, what we know from Scripture is that when you're serving other people along with a team in Jesus' name, that helps you grow in your faith. And then number three, what we call discovery classes. Uh, they've been called Sunday school before. But discovery classes help you learn how to follow him. And so we have an adult discovery class we'll be talking more about next week. But these are three key environments to help you get established in your faith. But there's more. Looking from second base to third base. This is an environment where we're calling equipping. And equipping is all about identifying and helping leaders at New Hope Church become equipped so they can do their ministry even better. We've identified about 70 leaders at New Hope Church. I don't know if you knew that number. There are 70 different leaders. You may say, well, what's a leader? I don't understand what that means. A leader could be an elder. It could be a staff member. It could be a small group leader. It could be somebody who leads back in children's ministry, hospitality, worship. We have lots of different ministries that take place uh, uh, here at New Hope Church. And so 70 people are leading and helping to make ministry happen. And starting this week, those leaders are going to begin, begin to be get equipped and trained and encouraged in their ministry all year long. And so equipping leaders is a priority for us at New Hope Church. And then wrapping up, finally, going from third base to home play, we have the word engage. And what this calls out is that for us at New Hope Church, doing outreach or engaging into our community is a high priority. We don't want to just be up here on the hill inside of our walls. We want to be in the community showing and telling the love of Jesus to anybody that God would have opportunity for us to do that. That includes you as an individual. It includes you as a family. That includes a small group. That includes a ministry. That includes us collectively as the big church. Whatever it looks like, that we count it a priority that we're going to engage to show and share the love of Christ to the, anybody that God would give us opportunity. This is what the discipleship path looks like. And again, there's more details to it. There's more to talk about. But here's the big idea that I want us to get this morning. If there's kind of one big takeaway for this morning regarding the discipleship path, I want you to get here. It's this. And this, we get the next slide if we would, please. Is that no matter where you're at today in your spiritual journey, in, in, in a room this size, and first service was full too, in a room this size, we're not at the same place. In your spiritual journey and in mine, we're in different spots. But no matter where you're at in your journey, 
you have a place on the path. There's a place for you. There's a place for all of us to engage. No matter where you're at today or where you're at as you entered into 2019, there is a place for you to take that next step in terms of what God wants you to do in 2019. So maybe you're here this morning and you just you don't know who Jesus is. And that's okay. You're just checking things out for the first time. I'm so glad you're here. So glad you came to New Hope Church. That is a complete honor that you would do that. If that's where you're at, your place on the path is explore. To get in there and begin to ask your questions. The things that you've wrestled with, the things you've struggled with maybe for years to say, but what about this and what about that? This is a safe place for you to do that. So we have explore. But maybe you're in a place this morning and you're like, I'm ready to grow. I, I know who Jesus is, but I'm ready to take that next step and mature and grow. Then we have other opportunities for you, including a small group. Or maybe you're like, you know what, I'm ready to take that next step. I want to be equipped to lead ministry. I want to be equipped to get out there and get my hands dirty and, and, and help others and lead the charge. We want to get you involved in our leadership community. There's a place for you on the path. Here, here's the goal. The goal is not that you do everything on the path, but the goal is that you do something on the path. The goal is that 80% of us get on the path and, and engage in something. Pick one of these six environments, or maybe two, or maybe three. It's up to you entirely, but to find, here's the places to engage. And over the next several weeks, and again, several months, we're going to be talking about these different, different places and ways to engage. What I want to do this morning then, just having introduced the sermon series, introduced the discipleship path, is I want us to focus on one part of the path this morning. One part. And I'm just going to ask if your forgiveness right now. Because I'm going to ask you to do something here uh, in just a moment. So hopefully you'll forgive me in doing this. Is I want you to turn to your neighbor, which I know for some of you is like, you'd, you'd rather pay taxes or whatever. I mean, but like, this is painful for you. But you're, I'm going to have you turn to your neighbor in just a second. And I want you to, now to your neighbor, I want you to share the name of a person who has in your life had a major influence on you in terms of coming to know who Jesus is. Or maybe for you, I want you to share the name of a person who has at least brought up some curiosity about who Jesus is. So again, the name of a person who either has had a big influence on you spiritually in terms of walking with Christ and being a Christian, or the name of a person who has at least generated some curiosity. You got that? Okay. On three, we're going to break. Don't get up. Just turn to your neighbor, start talking, share the name or names that you have. Okay? One, two, three, go. All right, good job. Some of you, some of you, I, 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 bet, I bet for some of you, or maybe a lot of you, th there was one name, but then there was two names. There was a second name, a, a fifth name. I mean, you just kind of kept going, and, and maybe you thought about different seasons of your life. It's like, well, you know what? When I was in college, it was this person, but, but man, as a young adult or a young parent, I was this person God brought into my life, and they really had an influence. G God uses people, doesn't he? And that's my story, too. If I was, had a chance to sit out there and, and talk to one of you, I, I could share about Victor Cabrera. Victor was my water polo coach in high school. And he was the person who first introduced me to who Jesus is. 
And then I could talk to you about a guy named Jim Mock, who is a navigator. And Jim would drive from San Luis Obispo to Santa Barbara, where I was going to college, every week. That's two hours, four hours round trip. Every week, and he would come down to the college where I was at, and we would open the Bible again, and he would teach me what it looked like to have a relationship with Jesus. I'll never forget that. I'll always be thankful for that. I can talk about my wife, Laura. I can talk about the role she plays in my life, the encouragement that she is to me, the, the, the way she models faith and spurs me on, that she's somebody who, who prays with and prays for me, who's somebody who loves without condition. That's had an influence on my life. And I could go on and on, and I bet you could do. Because here's the big idea for this morning. If there's nothing else you remember this morning, this is what I want you to take away. It's this, that God uses relationships to grow your faith. One of the seven ways God works, one of the seven things God uses, he uses relationships. And based on all the conversation and chatter I heard just a moment ago, and you probably did too, it's true in your life. I mean, if you think about it, you never really hear this. You never hear a testimony that goes like this. Well, I was living in complete isolation, didn't know anybody or talk to anybody, had no influence or anybody around my life, and in that spot, I found God. It doesn't work that way. I never hear that. But what I do hear is, I met this one person. And they had an influence on my life. I, I had this conversation with this one person. And the things they were talking about, I'd never really heard before. And so I just started asking more questions. Or I didn't really know them personally well. But, but um, there was this one person, and I, I just kind of watched them from afar. I watched their life. I kind of watched how they live. And at first, I thought they were weird. Because, like, nothing seemed to bother them. And they had this joy. And this peace. And they would go through things that I, was, I couldn't go through the way they did it. And I would look at it and I would say, that's different, but I'm, I'm intrigued enough to know and I want to ask some questions. See, that's what I hear. Because God uses relationships. God uses each other in our lives to help us grow and mature. But you want know to know this is also true? The opposite is also true. Because, because relationships can also be that thing in your life and mine that can actually derail us from walking with God. Relationships can actually have the opposite effect. Um, th there's really not many neutral relationships that are out there. This is something I've heard over the years, and maybe you have too. I I've heard it said, you know, this, this kind of saying, just as one example, uh, and especially from guys. I've heard this where, where the guy will say something like, you know, um, the, the Bible and, and you Christians, you talk about God as your heavenly father. And you even prayed to him in that way. But my dad was a jerk. He's an absolute jerk. And so if, if God is like that, I don't want anything to do with it. Here's a, that's an example of a relationship that had the opposite effect. Of a relationship that actually undermined faith. A relationship that, that, that hurt or damaged the faith that you have. Because relationships can go in one direction or the other. In fact, your next fill in the blank is this. There it is. The relationships we have either move us closer or further away from faith in God. That's how it works. Every single time. The relationships you have either move you closer or further away from a relationship with God. So I think it's worth asking this morning. What are your relationships like? Who are you in relationship with? And what role are those relationships having on you? I want to look at a couple of verses real quick. We're going to go to the Old Testament first. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Proverbs chapter 13. Otherwise, you can just follow along on the screen behind. We're going to look at a couple different Proverbs. But here's the first one. 
Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Now, as an aside, before we read it, this is really more of an observation than a command. But look what it says. It says, walk with the wise and you will be wise or become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. I take that in. Walk with the wise and you will become wise for a, a companion of fools suffers harm. You'll see very clearly there that the relationships we have do influence, don't it? Don't, doesn't it? And here's the thing. This is common sense, isn't it? I mean, I think we all look at this and we agree. You don't even have to agree the Bible is true. And I think you could look at a verse like that and say, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, any good parent, we, we train our kids that way, right? You will become like the company you keep. The people you spend time with, you will become like them. And so, so that's what that's saying. You want to you wanna be wise? Well, you better walk with the wise. For a companion of fools, somebody who spends time with foolish people, you'll suffer harm. Because you will become like them. This is what it looks like. Let's look at another proverb. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. It says this, A man or woman of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That word in the Hebrew there, that phrase, closer than a brother in the Hebrew, what that, what that means and what I actually like better is, is, is it reads like this. There is somebody who, who sticks with you through thick and thin. You have a friend like that? That no matter what you're going through in life, thick and thin, they, they'll stick with you. They'll walk with you through that all. And so pulling these two Proverbs together, I, I want to ask this question because this last one highlights that the quality of our relationships trumps the quantity of our relationships. But here's the question I want to ask this morning, pulling it all together, is this. Is that do you have quality through thick and thin type of friendships, and then adding the Proverbs 13 verse with it here, that, in, that will encourage your faith in God. Do you have those kinds of relationships in your life? If you do, they are a gift. You hang on to them. They, they're a gift. Okay, to help drive this home, we're going to do a little activity. One more thing I'm going to ask you to do. This one's not as painful. On the bulletin there, on the back, and even if you didn't get a bulletin and we did run out this morning, you can do this on a piece of scratch paper or even in your mind or do it later on today. But there, you'll see numbers one through five, lower right-hand corner, I believe. There's numbers one through five. Here's what I want you to do for a moment. I want you to take a moment and I want you to write down the names of your five closest friends. Write down the names of your five closest friends. Go ahead and do that right now or just mentally you can do a Rolodex. The names of your five closest friends. Go ahead and write those down for a moment. Give you a few more seconds here. Some of you, some of you, this may be hard to come up with five. If that's hard, then do three, do two. Some of you are like, I can do 50. This is great. Yeah, lots of friends. Well, do, do seven, you know, do six, do something like that. If you have to go over five, that's okay. You guys have it down? Five closest friends. Some of you are just staring at me, so I don't know what that means. Maybe you don't have friends. I don't know. Or you don't want to participate. That's okay. Here's why I had you do it. Five closest friends. This is what studies have shown. Studies show that you are the sum average of your five closest friends. Now, some of you are like, that's really discouraging. I don't know. Others of you, it's encouraging. I don't know where you're at. Maybe it's an aha moment for you. I don't know. But you are the sum average of your five closest friends. Which means that you will tend to think like, talk like, and act like the people on that list. And there is a good chance that those names, if you look at those names there, if those people in your life, those five closest friends you have, if they are walking with God, I mean really walking with God, there's a good chance you are too. 
But if your five closest friends are not walking with God, that's not a priority for them, that's not something they do, then there's a good chance, I mean, not necessarily, but there's a good chance that you're not either. Because, see, we tend to reflect the company that we keep. Walk with the wise and you'll become wise. Quality of our relationships matters more than quantity. See, God uses relationships to grow our faith. God uses this to help us become like the people he wants us to be. Now, what I want to do now is I want to jump to the New Testament. I want to pull a couple more verses together, just two more, two more passages, to help us see, well, what does it have to do with what we do here at church? How does it connect to church? So if you would, look with me at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Is where we're gonna, 24 and 25. Is where we're going to start. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. I'm going to walk through these two verses here. I'm going to go a little slow because I really want us to understand what this is saying and how this connects to our, this idea of our relationships, God using relationships in our lives. Here, look, look, look what it says. It says, and let us, now he's speaking to, to a collection of, of Christians, the believers, and let us consider, now if you have your Bible or even if not, just you can write this down, that word consider in the Greek, what that means is the word study. Now some of you high school students, you're in finals week coming up this coming week. You are studying. You know this word well. But this is what that word means. And let us, and let us study one and let us study how, excuse me, we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That word uh, a spur in the Greek means to stir up. It's a really strong, aggressive word in the Greek. It's, it's like not messing around kind of a thing. It, it's a strong word. So if you take this whole idea together, what this is saying, verse 24, is let us, let all of us study how to strongly spur others on in faith. Did you catch that? See, when we come together as a church, it's not just about the program of the church, but rather when we come together, big group or small group, our role is to figure out, to study, to consider, how am I going to spur someone on or incite or stir up in them their faith exemplified or demonstrated by love and good deeds? That's what it looks like. We have a job to do. We have a role to play in each other's lives. Let's keep going. Verse 25. And let us not give up meeting together. He's talking to the church about church. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So apparently 2,000 years ago, people skipped church then too. uh, You know, uh, as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. The day is capitalized because it's referring to a specific day. The day that Jesus comes back. Okay, did you notice here, these two verses, this is all about relationships, isn't it? It's about spurring each other in our relationship with God, and it's about the relationships we have with one another. Why? Because God uses relationships to help us grow. That's how it works. Relationships play a role. So so when the church comes together, these are the kinds of things we do. Now, what else does the church do? I want to look at one more verse, Acts chapter 2. So you can turn there if you want or just follow along on the screen behind. Now, this is referring to the early church. This is our first snapshot of the early church. And when the church would come together, the first church, this, this answers the question, well, what did they do? When they came together, what did church look like originally? Well, here gives us a little snapshot, verse 42. 
It says this. It says they devoted, and in the Greek that means continually, not just one time. Hey, check the box. I did it. It means on and on, over and over. They devoted continually themselves to, now, four things. Number one, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They, uh, they devoted themselves to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, or we would call it communion, and to prayer. These are things that the early church did. These are important things. Now, these are also relationship things. Because each of these four things connects, again, back to relationship with God, relationship with others. Jump down to verse 46. One more verse, one more observation. It says this. Continue to describe the same first church, them being active. Here it says this. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Let's pause here real quick. What's going on here? Well, there's this picture of when the church, they would come together. They'd, they'd do church every day. Okay, so they would come together. Maybe not everybody every day, but at least every day there was something going on. And they met at the temple courts there, which was a large, expansive area. And this was an area where they would gather. And you could imagine they're doing things like worshiping. They're doing things like, like uh, the apostles are teaching to the, to the crowd. They're learning about who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. They're, they're, uh, maybe they're doing communion there. They're, they're functioning as a church. They're gathering together. You know what else they were doing? Probably is they were also doing evangelism in that place. And it happened in two different ways because in this temple area, there's thousands of people walking around. So you can imagine there's people up there walking around. They're like, who's that over there? Like, what are they doing? I never heard that song. What's that all about? And they would begin to observe and watch these early Christians gathering together. But I imagine, too, that as they would, as they would gather, they would also break, as eventually they broke, and, and they would leave, and they would begin to walk around and have interactions and conversations with people and begin to point people to who Jesus is. This became big group gathering, the big church coming together and also doing outreach. But they did more. Let's keep going. It says, so they, so they gathered in the temple courts. It says next, it says, they broke bread in their homes and they ate with glad and sincere hearts. So what's going on here? Well, this is a small group gathering. This, this is a small collection from the big group, a small group of people, a handful of families coming together, meeting in a home, and they're sharing a meal, and they're loving on each other, and they're sharing life, and they're laughing, and they're sharing stories, and they're talking about work, and they're talking about dreams. This is where relationships get built. This is where small group community is formed. And just like this model here, we at New Hope Church, we, we really model the same way. That we have both our collective gathering on Sunday mornings, but in addition to that is a high priority for us that we as a church break down into small groups of people where we build those relationships with each other. Because it's your small group, those are the people that you're going to laugh with, that you're going to cry with, that you're going you're to share your hurts and dreams with. They're the people that are going to walk with you through life. That's where the good stuff happens. That's where relationships get formed is in small group community. And as New Hope grows, and maybe it will continue to grow, it will become increasingly hard to get that on a Sunday morning. It's, sun, it's, it's the small group setting is where that takes place. So here's what I know. I know first that it takes courage. It does. I know this. It takes courage to step out of sitting in a row, looking at one person, to sitting in a circle where you're looking at other people and they're looking at you. It takes courage to, to step in that environment or somebody else's home and open up about your life. 
It takes courage to ask questions. It takes courage to pray with one another. It takes courage to begin to, to be the body of Christ with one another. But that's what we're called to do. And at New Hope Church here, we are launching, we are launching here in January our small group ministry for another semester. We have 17 small groups. And last semester, we had about 100 people or so, 100 adults, that joined up small groups. And I, and I, I know, I know this, that, that every single one of those 100 people could come up here, file up on stage, and talk to you about what their small group meant to them. Of how their small group walked with them through the stuff of life. That they could do that. Because we have lots of different types of small groups. Some small groups do Bible studies, small, some small groups do sermon follow-up. But regardless, they share three core values. Number one, caring. Small groups come together and they care for each other. They're there for each other. That, that when life falls apart, when you get that phone call, when that health scare happens, when that job loss kicks in, it's your small group is there with you to walk with you through it, to pray with you through it, to support you through it. That's what a small group does. It's, it's to care for each other. The second thing a small group does is they share, meaning they get in Scripture together. Meaning that when you get together with your small group, you're, you're going to get in Scripture and you're going to pray and you're going to ask questions and you're going to have a chance to dialogue with other people about what God's teaching you in your life. And then finally, not only do we care, do they share. Number three is they serve. That every small group once a semester will get together and they will serve someone else together as a group in Jesus' name. And this last fall was a dynamic time, and God did some amazing things here at New Hope Church. But you know that some of the greatest outreach and serving that took place was through small groups. It was small groups that came together that said, we'll do that. It was an Amplify outreach that said, hey, we'll take that on. It was serving somebody else in ways that we'll never know. They said, we'll do it. It was small groups coming together, serving together, and guess what? Having a lot of fun doing it as they were doing it. That's what small groups are all about. And so this morning, I want to encourage you. As you begin to build your spiritual growth plan for 2019, as you begin to think about this coming year, and if it is on your heart at all to say, I want to grow this year, can I encourage you to sign up for a small group? It's not a forever commitment. Just take a test drive. Even go to one for a couple of weeks, and if you're like, whoa, not my cup of tea, no way. That's okay. It's not a lifetime commitment. You can step out. You can, step, you can change groups. But, but regardless, would you give it a shot? I would love to see hundreds of people involved in small groups, because here's why. When you're in a small group, I know there's a good chance you're going to grow. Why do I know that? Because God uses relationships to help us grow. That's how I know that. So I want to invite the band to come on up, if you would, please. And, and here's, here's, the, here's the action step. We, we don't have cards. We don't have brochures. And you're probably wondering, like, great, what are the small groups? What do I do? Here's what I want to ask you to do. Would you, before you leave this morning, out in the foyer, to my right, your left, there's a table there. There's balloons. Can't miss it. Would you go on up to the table? And uh, Pastor Tom will be there. Others will be there. And you'll have a chance to interact. You'll have a chance to look at the brochures, all the different small groups. When do they meet? And you can sign up for a group at that table. We're also going to be sending out through email this week all the different small groups. So you have time during the week to look at your calendar, look at the different small groups, maybe pick one that you want to be a part of. And so I, I just I want to mention this. If, if we don't have your email address, then we can't get you that email. So on the connection card that's in your bulletin, maybe you already turned it in, but, but if, if not and you still have that card, there's a box in the back right outside the doors. You can drop it in there, put your email address on there, and we can get you all that information so that you can sign up even during the week. You'll have an opportunity to sign up next Sunday and even the Sunday after that. For three weeks now, we're going to be talking about small groups. So that's my encouragement. And, and here, let me just close with one last thought. 
You never know. There could be a person in a small group that you sign up to be a part of that's going to that's gonna be that, just that person that, that God's going to use, that's going to bring into your life, that's going to impact you in a tremendous way. Such that maybe years from now you're sitting in a church service and the pastor says, hey, turn to your neighbor and share five people or whatever, that you're going to share the name of that person in the small group. You never know. It also might be true. You might be that person that God uses. You might be that person that you're in a small group and you opt in and you're in that group and you're getting a chance to love on and minister to other people and it's your name that somebody may share years from now to say, you know what? There was a person that had a big impact on my life and it was such and such person. And it wasn't that they knew all the answers. It wasn't that they did great things, but you know what? They just walked with me and they loved me and we formed a relationship. And you know what? God really used it. Let's make being in relationship with others, healthy, Christ-focused relationships, a priority for 2019. I want to encourage you to sign up for a small group for that. Can we pray together and then we're going we're gonna to worship. Father, uh, thank you for the time that we have together. Thank you for uh, the example of the early church. Thank you that uh, while you work in lots of ways, mysterious ways even, to help us grow and mature in our faith, Lord, one of the ways you do, you work and one of the things you use is relationships. And so, Father, I pray that, that we would surround, each of us would surround ourselves with people that would spur us on, that, that we ourselves would be people that would study and consider how to help others walk in their faith. Father, we commit the small group ministry to you this, this coming semester. We pray that there would be hundreds of people, adults, men and women, that would come together in community, in groups, sharing life, growing together, serving in Jesus' name together. Father, I'm, I'm so excited to see how you're going to work and what you're going to do. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand together and um, close our worship service in song. We're going to go back and sing Rescuer again. Um, to make practice makes perfect. We thought maybe we'd do this one a couple times today just to practice. Um, so please, as you're, as you're getting comfortable with the song, join us. Um, but if nothing else, um, focus on the words today. Um, if I had to summarize the song, basically it says that, uh, that God is all things to all people. Um, so as you get comfortable with the song, enjoy the music, um, also focus on those words. So let's sing one more together. There is good news for the captive, good news for the shamed. There is good news for the one who walked away. There is good news for the doubter, the one religion failed. For the good Lord has come to seek and save. He's our rescuer. He's our rescuer. We are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound. Oh, how grace abounds. We will praise the Lord, our rescuer. Be his beauty for the blind man. Riches for the poor. Be his friendship for the one the world ignores. Be his pasture for the weary. Rest for those who strive, for the good Lord is the way, the truth, the life. Yes, the good Lord is the way, the truth, the life. He's our rescuer. 
Thanks for joining us this morning. Um, have a wonderful week and God bless.